Amen. What a, what a great blessing. I sure wanted Brother Neil to had a burden for him to come and preach for us. And I know it won't be the last time he preaches for us, but I certainly appreciate him coming and sharing that message with us. And I'll encourage you to ask him after I finish a few comments here this morning to confirm with him that he and I have not talked at all about what he was going to preach about. And he's nodding his head over there. So for a few minutes, um, if you'll turn just a chapter back over in the book of Matthew to the 12th chapter, if you look at verse 43, I want to talk to you about dry places. <laughs> Brother Neil's talked to you about stony places. And uh, the Lord's laid on my heart to talk to you about dry places this morning. Let's read in verse 43 of Matthew 12. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this generation. Now it is worth pointing out in relation to the context of what he's talking about. He's answering a question that has been asked about whether or not he would give a sign of who he was. That is part of his response. And he's saying that, you know, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. And he's comparing that to that generation. But at the same time, there is a, not only a tremendous application of that to us today, but also from a practical standpoint, I want you to think about dry places. Notice this is a man, and we don't know exactly what the unclean spirit is. We can't say, well, this was his problem. And we don't know if it means he was actually possessed of some demonic spirit like the wild Gadarean was who could not be chained, who could not be controlled, you know, until the Lord came and, and, and set him down and got his clothes on him and, and cast out the spirit. <laughs> I don't... I don't know exactly what this man's problem was, but if you look, do a little research on the word unclean right there, it means impure, and it often occurs when it's related to sexual sin or fornication or adultery or pornography or things like that. And it's not always applicable to that. It could be applicable, I believe it is applicable to other things, but it primarily occurs in relation to that type of sin. And if, unless we're completely comatose or asleep you know in this current culture and society that we live in that is absolutely applicable to the just the saturation of that type of thinking and mentality that's upon our culture upon our nation and upon the world if you will that's just a commonplace kind of thing so I don't this man could have been vexed with some other type of uncleanness it could have been you know an addiction and that can come in so many different forms but he had a big problem, whatever it was. And this, this unclean spirit somehow had left this man. I don't know if he you know, went through some type of maybe self-help type program. You know, I've talked to people who have been addicted to you know, things like alcohol or drugs. There is a natural part of man that can just grit its teeth and just say, I will not 
you know, I will not give in to this. That's not, you know, a spiritual repentance, okay? That's just a clenching of the teeth and a natural force where you just, a person just says, I'm not going to engage in this anymore. And by strength, by their strength, they just refuse to go after something that's damaging to them. Now, when it comes to repentance, if a person has that type of character, they have that type of force within them and they're spiritual minded, it can make it even easier to resist something. Okay. But in terms of spiritual repentance, you know, it's more than just a natural clenching of the teeth and refusing to do something that's harmful to me. It is a spiritual repentance that is moved upon the child of God by the burden of their sins. You see, and we don't know exactly what this man's situation was. I personally believe that this was sounds like it was probably a child of God who had gotten into some bad stuff. And most of the examples, except for a few that Jesus gives, are children of God who are dealing with issues. So we'll just assume that this man was a child of God and he's dealing with some type of addiction and he gets rid of it by the grace of God. He repents from a spiritual standpoint. Maybe he does a little teeth clenching in addition to being spiritually moved. That's not a bad thing to, from a natural standpoint to have natural stamina to say, I'm going to resist this and just walk away from it. You could be talking about more than just addiction or alcohol. You'd be talking about getting angry or being prideful. You know, you can just force yourself away from those things. Spiritually, I believe this man gets away from whatever his addiction or whatever his problem is. And notice it, it, it get, tells you that he left where he was. He left his location. He got away from that location. And he walked about through dry places. Now the word dry right there, it means waterless. It has no water in it. it if you look at the root definition, it means to be without rain. Without rain. So a desert, literally. Now there are places where the word desert place occurs and it's not necessarily a sandy desert but this is talking about a place where there is no rain so notice how this man whenever he is free from his trouble he goes to a place where there is no sustenance there's no rain he just goes and it's like he's just wandering out in the desert and he's seeking rest in the desert in the dry place he can't find any no wonder he's in a desert right <laughs> You know, you're not going to find stores, you're not going to find houses, you're not going to find any type of sustaining in the desert because there's nothing there. So notice how this man goes to a place, it's like he's setting himself up for failure, you see. We don't want to set ourselves up to fail. We want to seek places where we can find sustenance and sustaining. As a matter of fact, this phrase where it says a waterless place, a dry place, the word place right there, it literally means a location. It can mean a track of land. But it's interesting to me that over in Revelation, the 20th chapter and the 11th verse, it says that there was found no place. <laughs> you know, this, this dry place is a no place for the child of God. It's not an option for the child of God. And he's out there in a place that's not an option for the child of God, and he's seeking rest. Now, the, the definition of the word rest is interesting because it, it means intermission, but it also can mean recreation. <laughs> it can also mean recreation. So if you can picture this guy who has gotten rid of this issue, he's repentant of this problem, and now he's trying to fill the void that has been created by the absence of this problem, whatever that might be. It can be different for everyone. 
It could be the absence of anger. It could be the absence of alcohol. It could be the absence of drugs. It could be the absence of or pornography. It could be the absence of, of so many different things that we just don't have time to go into all the things that it could be. But you think about your own life and think about the things that you are tempted with and that you struggle with. And if you sit there and you can't think of those things, if you're a child, you need to talk to your parent about it because they can certainly inform you what those things are, I believe, if they're good parents. And if you, if you think as an adult, well, you need to talk to your preacher because <laughs> you do have temptation. You do have things that you can succumb to. We all do. And it's been interesting to me. I've heard Brother Chris point this out different times, you know that the same temptations that continue to affect you and afflict you are pretty much the same two or three your entire life. <laughs> now, I don't know exactly what those are for you, but this man right here, whatever one of these temptations was, he had gotten he had repented of it, he'd gotten rid of it, and now he wants to start something new, something fresh, but he goes to the wrong place. He's seeking rest, and maybe this is an indication of, of where the rest that he's seeking may not be quite the thing that he needs. You know, maybe he's a little leaning towards, well, I want to have some fun now. I've gotten away from this that I thought was fun. You know, there's pleasure in, uh, in sin for a season, and then it's just kind of played itself out and become totally detrimental. You know, that's one thing that we, we often overlook, you know, maybe as parents even. You know, there is pleasure in sin. Y'all get that? I mean, there can be a natural pleasure in a lot of things that people give into in the, in the world of temptation. But it says it's for a season, you see? It's, it's for a season. There's a consequence to committing that sin. And then the next thing you know down the road, you will reap what you sow from that sin. I like to say this often. I'll wind up, as the Bible says in Proverbs, eating gravel. <laughs> you ever tried to eat gravel? I don't recommend it. Don't go home and try it. It'll break your teeth. But I have eaten gravel so many times in my life. I think this is great. I'm going to go and, and this is going to be good for me. And I'm going to follow this out. And the next thing you know, my teeth are breaking on, the, on this stuff that I've, that I've followed, I've pursued. So there's pleasure in sin for a season. You know, I've told you all the story before about how dad warned me. And he said, son, whatever you do, don't look at the welding, you know, the light, the welding arc. You know, don't look at that. You'll go blind. And for years, I thought one look and I was going to go blind. And my eyesight may be injured today and having to wear these things today because after a while as a little boy, as I was learning to weld, you know, I realized I could take it off and look at it and I didn't go blind. <laughs> but dad didn't fully explain himself. He didn't say you would go blind immediately, but it will make you blind if you just sit there and looked at that. That's the way sin is. You're not going to go blind on the sin immediately, but it's going, it's going to catch up. You will reap what you sow. And when you get away from it and you repent of it and you seek dry places, waterless places, without rain, it's not going to work out well. You see, this, this man, I believe he stopped thinking about his condition and he started thinking more about his location. You know, he got away from the place he was and he said, well, I'll find me another place. Because ultimately, he goes back to that original place, to the original place where he was having so much trouble. I think he forgot about his condition, and he started thinking, well, my location will fix things. Let me tell you, we need to be focused on our condition way more than we need to be focused on our location. Now, that's not to say that, you know, if, if you're living down in 
If you're living in the garbage dump, it'd be a good idea to find another place to live because you know what? You're going to stink if you live down in the garbage dump. That doesn't mean, well, you know, I can be whatever I need to be, whatever location I'm in. It doesn't, the, this man left his location, which was the right thing to do, but that's all he thought about was his location. See, he stopped thinking about his condition. And so when he got out in the desert and he couldn't find a place where he could fill the void and the gap that had been caused by what he had left behind, then he just said, well, I think I'll just return to my house from whence I came out. Verse 44, it wasn't so bad. I'll go back and I can just picture him going back maybe to the hill or the little valley where his house was and where such, such trauma and drama took place in his life. And he went back and he looked at that little hovel there, that little hamlet, that little house or whatever it was, you know, and he just stared at it and he thought, you know, he didn't think about the nights, the sleepless nights and the reaping what he sowed and all the trouble that he had to deal with from the sin that he was committing. He didn't think about the day that he walked out of that door when God blessed him to repent of that sin. He didn't think about how he felt so free whenever he left behind the trouble that was dragging him down. And he didn't even realize the trouble that he was in until he walked away from it. By faith, he took the step after step. He looked back and he saw that wasn't such a bad place. And so he goes back and he looks, not only does he look upon the little place, but he opens the door and he looks around and all of the trouble and the, and the things that the, the way the place was dilapidated and the way he had destroyed the place or whatever had gone on in that house, it was empty, it was swept and it was garnished or decorated. You know, the realtor had come along after he had left it or sold it or whoever had come along and fixed everything up, you know, patched the holes in the walls and put a fresh coat of paint on it, made it all look good. And he looks around and he thinks, you know, it wasn't so bad being here. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, you know, I had some good times in here. You know, 90% of them were, were a nightmare, but there was that 10% of good time I had in here. So I'll just move on back into this place that I was. And then it says that he goes and he takes with himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, verse 45, and they enter in and dwell there. This is one of the saddest statements of conditions that people get into in the Word of God. Listen, you say, boy, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. We've all got dry places. We've all got dry places. It, it might be this for you. It might be that for another person. Are you willing to look and see what your dry places are? where there's no rain and there's no water. Turn over to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter. As we close out our thoughts here in the last few minutes, I want you to think about this place that Jesus was referring to in Luke 9 and 57. It's interesting, when I looked at this, I, I was looking for one example. And when I looked, Brother Neil, I found three. <laughs> there's three examples here. Verse 57 of Luke 9, he says, It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That sounds a lot like Peter, you know, the night before the cross. But the man says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And this man was too comfortable in his lifestyle to follow after Jesus to get a different perspective or different location because Jesus says foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head see this man had a nice home a comfortable place to live I'm not saying well you need to sell your home and go on the road I'm not saying that but the point is this that was a dry place for that man he was too connected to being comfortable 
And Jesus said, you want to follow me? He said, I'll go wherever you go. He said, well, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to leave that house behind, that place that you live, because I don't even have a house to live in. (laughs) That's shocking, isn't it? And then he comes along a little further in verse 59, and he looks at a man as he's walking, he says, follow me. (laughs) But this man says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, you know, it's not a bad thing to bury your father, to bury your parents. That's not in and of itself a bad thing. But obviously this man here in this circumstance, he was too nostalgic. You know, all the good old days. You know, Solomon speaks to that and says, let us not say, oh, if only the good old days were here, everything would be all right. You know what? Because the good old days, days as they were in the past, can never come back. I don't mean we can't gain more spirituality. We can't have revival. But, you know, who in the world wants to go back to no running water and no electricity and no air conditioning? <laughs> Who in the world wants to go back to that? Now, some of you that are freezing sitting there right now say, well, we could do with a little less. I get it. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but you understand, there's some things about the good old days you don't want to go back to. <laughs> the Solomon said, let us not pine away for the good old days because we can't go back in time, but we can serve God now. That's a location and a place now that we can serve God. And the example that I was looking for here, Luke 9 and verse 61, another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. (laughs) Now, I've thought about exactly how to look at that. You know, one guy was too comfortable. One guy was too nostalgic. You know, the guy who went back to his house and took seven more demons upon him, he was in a bad situation. You know, but I've I've wondered how to categorize that. And I think I'll just say it like this. (laughs) Whatever was going on here with this guy, because it's not bad to love the people of your house. It's not bad at all. But that was a dry place for him. You understand? That was a dry place for him. Listen to me. If you are blessed to worship the Lord and serve God with your entire family, praise God. You, that is a blessing you need to count your blessings every day for. But if you're in a situation where you have to Somehow or another, it might not be major, it could be minor, but it might be major, where you have to separate yourself from your family and go and worship God. I think that's what he's getting at right here. That the Lord, worshiping the Lord is worth whatever sacrifice of whatever dry place that you have. I thank God every day for my wife. I don't know how... Or even I have no concept of whether or not I could even be a, a pastor and serve the, Lord, the Lord's people without her support. Now, she's not called to do that by any means. God's called me to do that. But with her support and her love and her standing by my side, do you know how much easier that is? I know brothers whose wives don't support them. I know brothers uh, whose wives have left them because of their work in the ministry. Oh, praise God when we have a focus together it can move in a, a direction together. Isn't that wonderful? Whether you're a preacher or an individual church member, uh, whatever your station may be in life, but praise God when you're moving forward together. And here Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. <laughs> There's a location, a place that will never be a dry place for you. The kingdom of God. The church of God. Say, Brother Tim, I just don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Well, I can assure you, you don't need to go to the desert. That's a dry place. And if you are having 
a hard time figuring out where your dry places are. It can be a friend. It can be an acquaintance. It can be family, according to this right here. It can be nostalgia, where you think all the good old days, you know. Listen to me. I could stand up here for the next hour, two, three hours and talk to you about the nostalgia that's in my heart from growing up in the house that I grew up in and experiencing the things that I experienced with my father, my mother, my grandpa. I mean, it was, I know everybody doesn't have that experience, but I could write a, volumes of books about that. <laughs> but you know what? I can't go back. <laughs> I can't go and relive that. I can just rejoice in what it was and how we experienced it. But I am rejoicing today, and I trust that this place is not a dry place. It is a place where there is water to be found and sustenance to be found. You see? Let me say this as I close my comments. Don't look for a place in the sense of a location, an address. Look for a person. Because the centerpiece of the kingdom of God is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a person that we're looking for. The man who went out seeking, out in dry, seeking rest in dry places, he was looking for a location to answer his need. We need to be looking for a person. Then he went back to his house and he saw an empty house swept and garnished. He was looking for a location. But we need to be looking for a place in the sense that contains a person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, don't look for a place. Look for a person. And identify where your dry places are. Because they're there. It might be a person that's bringing temptation to your life. It might be an activity it might be, oh my goodness, the list in this day and time and the culture we live in, the list just goes on. I don't want to embarrass Brother Craig, but he preached, uh, excuse me, he, well, he really did kind of preach. He's, he prayed a prayer. I don't know if it was last week or week before last. But as he closed that prayer, one of the things that he says, and he may not even remember it, but he said, Lord, there's no place like this place. Now listen, that is not an exclusive statement just to Bethlehem Church. Brother Neil and I have been to places in Africa where you could say there's no place like this place. I've been to places all over this country where you'd worship with the saints and be around people, God's people where you'd say there's no place like this place. And when the Lord is there and when His manifest presence is blessing us, there is no place like this place. Amen. Let me tell you, child of God, that's not a dry place. That's a place where you can sink your anchor of life into and abide and tarry and be filled and rejoice and keep coming back. And it's not just the church service on Sunday morning. It's the kingdom of God that expands out into your life. Let us not go to dry places. Let us seek places where we can find a person and His name is Jesus Christ. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism, you see that as your place where you find the person, then you're on the right track, that's for sure.